You know, the beauty of that trip, that whole eight, nine days I spent in Israel was it wasn't a denominational gathering. There was people of Baptists, Baptist ministers and pastors there, Pentecost Baptists and preachers, Methodist pastors. And every moment that we lifted his name, it wasn't how we worshiped, it was who we worshiped. See, some of y'all may have heard Amber today and said, oh, there's some things that challenge what I've been taught. And eh. That's the beauty of Greenbrier Community Church. We're all coming from different directions. But you know what you can't challenge is when God answers prayers. He may have not have done it in the way you thought he should have or in the place you thought he should have, but he did it. God has challenged me more and more over this last couple of months as he's opened doors for me to connect with people across denominational lines. And it's, it's not how you worship me. It's just that you're worshiping me in spirit and in truth with everything you got. Don't hold anything back. Leave everything at my feet and watch what I'll do with it. Can we sing just the last of that? You're worthy of it all. And I want you to really stand. I want you to stand today. And we're going to finish. I know we're getting, we're at time and we're moving and whatever. I really want your heart to be in a space today. Maybe I'm not supposed to preach anything today. Maybe I've got an hour and a half sermon, but I may not preach it. Just kidding. Just kidding. I want, to, I want you to, for the first time in somebody's life today, I want you really to let go of something you've held back from God. You've sang this song before, you're worthy of it all, but your actions speak louder than your words. Maybe it's something that you held back because you thought he'd be ashamed and disappointed of you. I can assure you he's not. Maybe it's something you held back because you thought it was good enough and you didn't need his help in it. I can assure you that's not true either. I want you really to lay something at his feet and say, all of you, and say, God, whatever it is, you can have it. Whatever I've held back, you can have it because you're worthy of everything. Because today I declare you as Lord of my life because I know you know what's best for me. I know you want what's best for me. So sing this song, maybe like you've never sang it before. Maybe in your prison, let the acoustics of your heart sing today.
lost through these moments sometimes, but I don't want to be very intentional right here. Some of you may have been to churches before where we bow our heads and close our eyes at this moment because we don't want anybody to know the shame and disappointment that we go through. We don't want anybody to want to see us when we raise our hand or any of that. But I feel like there's a moment right here where somebody here today has just been running from God and says, you know what? I've tried it my way and it's not worked. I need help. Maybe this is your first time ever truly giving your heart to God. Maybe this is you coming back to say, okay, maybe your way is better. If that's you today, we love you as a church family. I just want you to lift your hand. There's no shame, no disappointment. Say, you know what? I need help can't do it alone. I've tried. I see hands for the first time. I see hands. It's not your first time. That's okay. There's a prayer that in church we call it the sinner's prayer. If you're ever around here very long, you realize my sinner's prayer never sounds the same way twice. Because realistically, it's not the prayer, it's your heart. It's the posture in which you say it with. It ain't nothing magical about the words you're about to say. It's how you say them. It's from the heart. It says you let go. Bible says repent. That doesn't mean just say a, a couple of words about how you feel sorry about you got caught doing something or you feel bad because life could be better and it's not. It means to turn, to change one's mind. This is what this prayer is. It's is a gateway and activation into repentance to say, you know what? Right here, right now, I'm going to repent and let go of some things. If that's you today, and we're going to say it with you, I want you to say this prayer. Father, I thank you that you didn't give up on me. I thank you that your son died the death 
that I should have died. Endured the shame that I should have endured because you love me. I'm thankful today that you made a commitment to me that I might be free. Today, I declare Jesus as Lord of my life. And I know in my heart that he rose from the grave for my sin, that I might be free. Open my ears, my eyes, and my heart to your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If that's you today and you said that for the first time in your life, I just want you to raise your hand. Come on. All of heaven is rejoicing. Today, some of earth is rejoicing, but I refuse to be in the part that's not. I celebrate what God is doing and undoing in the lives of people today. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all sin is gone. About to get high. Because I know he holds the and life is worth the living just because he lives. Worship him today. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, Amber. Most importantly, thank you, God. Sorry, I'm not the worship pastor. Thank you for enduring my singing. He's a good God today. Amen? Amen. He does not get on our time, our schedule. Man, I had this thing mapped out in my mind, but it didn't go that way. And you know what? We're just going to trust God. Um, How many of you enjoyed Mr. Amber's testimony this morning? You know, that's the purpose of everything that we go through. Our testimonies, our storms are not for us. You're just going to hear the series of all these revelations God gave me over the course of eight days over the next couple months, so just endure it. Um, But you know, in the deserts, there's riverbeds with no water over there. And there won't be until, guess what, a storm comes. And then the rivers go to places they haven't had any water and they just rage. You know what God said? Sometimes the storms in your life will send a river to somebody else's. The testimony of the struggles that you're going through, the things you've gone through, is the river God is building for somebody else. Y'all better receive that today, because some of y'all are in some tough times and are in the middle of a storm and say, God, what for? And he's saying, it ain't for you. I'm sending a river to the wasteland and in the wilderness through your testimony, through what I'm doing in your life. Mr. Amber, today, through your testimony, God is sending a river to somebody's wasteland. Amen? All right. Kids, we're going to let you go. Joey is out. You know what? I'm not going to apologize, though, that our kids get to experience this. I know it's a measure, and they enjoy children's church, enjoy that time, but I want them to know that God is real. You know, there's times in my life where those moments of sitting in those testimony serves and things like that and just witnessing God move, that it opened me up for my own personal time at some point. May have not been right then. And I think everybody that's sitting here today, it started in those moments, through those testimonies of people in your life or in your church that said, you know what? Maybe this God thing is real. Y'all remember that moment? That's why we're here today. So I want to thank y'all all for just being in a space of worship today. We're also going to release... Actually, how many youth do we have? Bailey, are you the only one? Drew, 
Bailey Drew, I'm going to give you all the option today. Sometimes y'all don't get the option. Do y'all want to go hang out with youth or y'all want to hear your pastor preach? <laughs> y'all like that, didn't you? Y'all like that, didn't you? No, there's no shame disappointment. If y'all want to go, go. It's up to you. No shame. Bailey is on her toes. Go. I love you, Nigel. How, do you, how many of y'all enjoyed Nigel last week? Um, it, it's funny how God works. I didn't get to hear all of it because we were out on the bus, so I didn't have real good service over there. But when we got done, Morgan and I talked. She said, man, I needed that sermon. And I'm like, you don't need my sermons? <laughs> no, I just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I've said that a couple of times, but I don't say that anymore. Um, she said, man, we're going to start reading Psalms 91 over our family every morning. I said, you know what's funny? Every moment we've got on the bus for this trip, we've read Psalm 91 before we ever took a, a step out. Before we ever hit the gas and hit that bus, every morning we read Psalm 91. I said, God's trying to tell us something if we'll listen. And he ain't just trying to tell one of us, he's trying to tell all of us. So good. And we've had so many moments like that over the last couple of weeks in our life where one of us hears it this way and then we hear it this way. And like, okay, I guess we're going to do it. So I just want to say thank you to Nigel for being obedient in that word and sharing it with you. All right. I have to tell you today, I got beat up in my time of preparation, both over there and then this morning as well. And God said, stop apologizing. So I'm not going to apologize for the time we spend today. I'm going to be very intentional with it. I want you to know that. I'm never going to drag you out and keep you here for longer than God needs you here. But I'm not going to apologize for it anymore. I told you, I wrestled with God today, and he broke my hip. So I'm not going to apologize anymore for the amount of time we spend. Just know that I'm going to be very intentional with it. Second thing is, this is really hard for me, and I had to tell Roger this this morning. I'm about to preach a tithing message. <laughs> and y'all know, if you know anything about me, I hate preaching tithing messages. Why? Because we've been in church too many times that we heard a tithing message to pad pockets, and people have been hurt by tithing messages, and we've not taken the time to understand what it really means to tithe. Now, I'm not going to get all into the weeds today. I've done some teaching at one of our family meetings on this about the importance of stewardship, but I want to connect you because this is what this sermon has done, if nothing else. This sermon series, Why Am I Here? It has been Jesus connecting us to the foundation of what the kingdom is supposed to be operating in. Amen? One of the most amazing moments of this whole trip that I was just on was we went to the Mount of the Beatitudes where Jesus preached this sermon and I got to read the Beatitudes. Uh, I may cry a lot today. That's okay, right? There is nothing more overwhelming than reading the words of our Lord and Savior near the place where he said. And knowing that I'd been sharing this sermon with you guys over the, the last, what feels like to be six years, Y'all can say amen if you want to. But knowing that's what he was, it came to do. He was coming to restore the message of heaven, the foundation of heaven, so that we could be difference makers in the world around us, so we could be grafted. Look up that scripture in Romans that we are grafted into the olive tree. He said, you were a wild olive tree, but you've been grafted in. You know the amazing thing about an olive tree? I told you, it's going to get months of revelation. Things about an olive tree, olive trees never die. There are 600 years old olive trees. Why? Because the outside dies, but the roots don't die. They just burst new trees. In that scripture, he said, you've been grafted in to a nourishing root. In other words, a root that will not die. You weren't born into this root, but you've been grafted in. That's, the, that's what we have today as Christians. We weren't born under the Jewish culture and law and invitation, but we've been invited in. We've been grafted in through Jesus Christ. 
So what he's coming to do is giving us that foundation of what he was intending to preach. And we've talked a lot over the last couple of weeks. We preached two weeks on breaking the poverty mindset, which prepared us, I think, for this moment. And it wasn't just poverty of money. It was poverty in everything. Walking in true value of who you've been made to be, which is bigger than the currency of man. That's where we get stuck a lot of time is the currency of man. Currency of God is not in dollar bills. Amen? He'll use it, but that ain't his currency. So now we're going to step into Matthew 6, verse 25. We've said this before last week when I preached that two weeks in a row. We said this scripture, but I want you to really step into this now today with me. Because I think this is going to be a posturing moment, not only for you individually, but for us as a church and what God is wanting to do in the world around us. Say this three words with me. Positioning for impact. The name of today's sermon, if you're a note taker. Matthew 6, 25 says this. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. That's where we stopped the last two times and preached this. Man. Everybody can jump on that passage, right? Who's anxious with your life? It's okay. Raise your hand. I'll raise mine. I got three kids. Two of them are teenagers. Lord, help me. If you got teenagers, you know what I mean. If you don't, I'm already praying for you. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body what you will put on. Ladies, there's a lot of scriptures in here, but that was for you. (laughs) And your pastor, because I like wearing shoes. But it ain't about what you put into your body or what you put onto your body. It's bigger than that. And he begins to break it down and make it edible for us. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? I think you just missed what he said. See, we we get stuck right here and say, oh, he provides for the birds. That's why he cares for us, so he provides for us. No, he compared us to the birds. He said, it ain't about the birds, it's about what the birds can do and what you can do. Go back to it. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. In other words, what what is God telling you that you can do? Doesn't matter if you're doing it, he's comparing you to someone who can't or a bird who cannot. It says, I take care of the birds, but they can't do what you can do. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. That's the call for us. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Look at your neighbor and say, I'm valuable. Look at your other neighbor, because you probably looked at the wrong one, and say, I'm valuable. Maybe you didn't look at your spouse the first time. I don't know. Verse 27. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Well, we can just stop right there. We live in a world of anxiety. We live in a world of all sorts of answers for your anxiety. If you don't believe it, when you walk into Walmart or around the world we live in today, just sniff. This ain't an anti-weed sermon, so don't go there. (laughs) But the first thing you do when you bring it up is somebody says it's for my anxiety. Amen? I'm, I'm sorry. If you're new here, I didn't put your toes there. You did. And I didn't step on them. God did. I'm not preaching against marijuana, and that's going to be hard for somebody to say, wow, the pastor's not preaching against that. I think in the medicinal way the same way all medicines can be used to connect with you. What I am going to say is God doesn't need to use it. How many people are on prescription drugs today for anxiety, for pain? And I believe God doesn't want you to be connected to those medicinal purposes. But we are. Wow, that's not where I intended to go in this sermon. And somebody's like, I don't know what... But we get tapped into a lot of things to calm the anxiety in our life. When I believe if you really tap into what this is saying, the foundation of God, there is no anxiousness. Why? 
He gets you back to the Beatitudes. He said, come broken, messed up, little you. If you come that way, I'll restore you, give you all that you need. Why? Because I need you to come and know that I am God. I am positioning you to do things and go places and be things that you can't be by yourself. I'm trying to position a kingdom group of people to go be world changers, to go make an impact in my name. Not in your name, not to glorify you. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his his span of life? Anxiety will not add to your life. We're learning more and more that stress will take away from it. The moment we're stressing and spent stuck right there, we're actually losing what we're worried about holding on to. And why are you anxious about clothing, lady? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I just know in in my home that Target is the devil. And anytime it pops up on my phone that my wife on Life 360 is in Target to get some groceries, I just pray that she gets out of there. Because for some reason, I don't care how your Target's set up, they're set up a lot of different ways around the country, every pass to the groceries goes through the clothing. Ladies, y'all know what I'm talking about. Sorry, I'm real too, if nothing else. I love you, babe. I got a yep. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Look at the abilities we have that the lilies don't have. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you... O you of little faith. O you of little faith. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles think after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. To finish with this, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Now, I want to go back just to two passages. I'm not going to read them, but in Matthew 6.21 and 6.24 that we read just a few weeks ago, Matthew 6.21, it says, Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, what that says is don't let your emotions determine the market value. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You've ever gone to a seafood restaurant? Y'all know what market value, right? It's determined by what the fishermen and the the amount of fish and all of those things. The lack of, or the if you have a bunch of them, the market value goes down. If you have a little of them, the market value goes up. Your emotions can dictate the market value of your life, the value you assign to things, money, whatever your treasure is. That's where that anxiety comes in. Your emotions can dictate what's of money and what's not. Second thing is, you cannot serve, Matthew 6, 24, you cannot serve God and money. Don't let your provision become your God. Say that again. Don't let your provision become your God. Y'all with me still? Okay, I'm going to flip to the Old Testament and we're going to read 1 Kings 17. And I'm actually not going to read it. I just want to tell you the story, but I want to give you the area it's located in. 1 Kings 17, 8 through 24. I encourage you to write this down and go back and read it on your own time. But it tells the story of Elijah. And if you know anything about the Old Testament, Elijah played a very key role in doing a lot of crazy things in in God's name. Amen? Gary, how many things did Elijah do? He prayed, he covered an altar in water and then prayed that fire would fall and it burned it up, right? Like so many moments, Elijah was just a part of some crazy God moments. Well, this story takes place right in the beginning of Elijah's ministry. Talk about some of us in ministry, like if I'd had an intro into ministry the way Elijah did, Elijah starts off and he's out in the middle of nowhere and he's being fed by birds and he's drinking from the river there, bless you, and now the river dries up. Anybody want to jump on that ministry bandwagon? No, no, no. I want to go to a a nice seminary that's really nice there. I want to be in a very successful church. That's the way I want to do ministry, right? No, no. He's out in the middle of nowhere, 
He's doing what God's telling him to do, and he sends him to a place where there's really no food, in the place where there's about to be a, a famine and a drought as the rain dries up. Ahab is the king at that time. So in this place where he's been eating, birds are bringing him food, he's drinking this water, now the water dries up, and God tells him, okay, I want you to go here because there's a widow who's going to feed you. I've put it on her heart, her heart to feed you. All right, you get that letter in the mail from God. It says, go here, this lady is going to feed you. I've already talked to her. How many of y'all jumping on that if God said it, right? Everybody's in, okay? He gets to the place, and guess what? He finds this widow through going to get something to drink, and this widow shows up. That's how God works. And he says, give me a drink. And she gets him a drink. And he said, well, God told this widow to feed me. She's already heard confirmation in her spirit that I'm even here. She's going to just, yes. He says, can you go make me something to eat? And the widow's like, uh. See, here's the problem. I just have enough in my home for me and my son. Because of the famine, because of the drought, I had just come to get a little water to make a little bit of cake so I can go back and cook the last meal for me and my son so we can eat and die. How does, I mean, y'all, it sounds like she got the memo that we thought God was sending. And Elijah because he heard God, not because he heard Elijah, because if he had heard Elijah in that moment, we're like, well, this ain't the widow. She ain't got enough cake for me, and I surely don't want her to die. But God had already told him, so there was a confirmation in the spirit of who he was talking to. So he said, well, go make your cake and give me the first little bit of it. And then, because God's in instant download mode through Elijah in this place, this ain't a good idea that Elijah had. We talked about this kingdom mentality. Three attitudes come this way. Why? Because he wants to use you. Why am I here? We've talked about this over and over again. Why am I here in this situation? Elijah's like, God, why did you put me here? To eat? No, 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 Elijah. I just used that to get you to that place because I need something bigger to happen through you because you're listening to me. So Elijah's just doing what God told him to do and saying what God told him to say. So in that moment, in the most awkward of moments, okay, I hear you're going to die, but go make me some too. But he finishes it with a statement that he couldn't make. He says, but when you make that for me, I can assure you that jar will never dry up. Let me read it for you exactly what it says. As the Lord... Uh, blah, blah, blah. Sorry, that was me blubbering. And Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go and do as you have said. In other words, go make your cake and you're going to die. But first, ha ha, don't die yet. But first, make me a little cake of it and bring it to me. And afterwards, make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. He didn't say, well, the rain's coming next week. And if you know anything about this story, it's a while before rain comes. So this isn't just, you got plenty of time to run to the store and get some more flour and some more oil. This is a promise, a confirmation from God that because you're being obedient in what I'm asking you to do, I will take care of you. So in this moment, she does that gives it to him, and the jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. Now, this is an amazing moment of getting to the place where this woman, and the challenge is, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Just know that I'm going to feed you. Provider provision, right? God is saying, I don't know if she trusted him to this point, like she was about to walk into, but this was an invitation to something bigger. This random dude walked up to you and said, yeah, but make my cake. But in obeying this, being obedient, now in the limited mindset we have, Elijah, wow, God blessed Elijah and he blessed her and that's so good. The story doesn't end there. Now if she, she feeds him, she has a jar of oil and jar of flour to feed her son. Guess what happens next? The son that now she has all this stuff to feed him with dies. Well. What kind of God is this? Now I have an abundance of flour and oil to make all the cakes in the world for my son, but every time I go to the kitchen to make a cake, I'm going to be reminded that you took him from me. Elijah, I hope you got your meal. You can leave now. No. What's Elijah do? 
He picks the boy up and he takes him up to his bedchamber and he begins to pray for him. And what happens when he prays for him is that boy comes back to life. See, God's plan is way bigger than you can ever imagine. He's going to use your need to get you to places you didn't want to go. He's going to use somebody else's need to connect with you and yours. And in the midst of the whole story, he will be glorified. See, that woman had zero idea that she was about to feed the man that was going to pray for her son to be healed. But her obedience in a moment to do what God had told her to do because of the promise positioned her to be impacted, but also to be an impact. This is the foundation of the kingdom God is trying to establish through the words of Jesus. I don't want you to just be impacted. I want you to be impacted so that you can go make an impact. And it may require you to get out of your comfort zone and go to places that you didn't know you had to go. Now we backtrack to what he was talking about in the things, the food, the clothing. If these things are your master, if your treasure is in the value of what these things have, Elijah, if you're accustomed to the place you're in, what you've been accustomed to, the style you're in, you'll stay where you're at. See, this is the problem so many times is people, when we're connected to the kingdom, we just don't move when God says to move because we don't listen to him like we should listen to him. And nobody's out there praying a prayer. God put me in a place like Elijah where I don't have anything, so I'll listen to you. Anybody saying that prayer? Nope. Mm-mm. Not when you can go to Target and walk through the clothing aisle to get to the grocery aisle. We live in a place of abundance over here. I asked somebody yesterday, if we're looking to go to um, Israel as a church next year, and I want to get that in your heart if you want to go and be a part of that. I asked somebody here if they wanted to go, and they said, nope, there ain't enough Walmarts in Israel. There is zero Walmarts in Israel and zero Targets in Israel. So you better get that right in your heart before you ever go. I'm not selling you a bill of goods and say, well, we can just go to Target. No, you can't. It's a different lifestyle over there. But I want you to really begin to think in your heart, how many times have I held back because of what I had in my hands and was listening to what I had instead of the one who was telling me to just go, telling me to just give? He was trying to remove the value. He was trying to take away this God in their life, this thing. Why? Because in the very beginning, and Abraham, and y'all hear this, if you're part of this church, you hear this all the time. I feel like I say this at least 20 times a week. Abraham, I will bless you. Out of your, out of your name, I will bless your name. I will bless you. Out of you, I will make a blessed nation. Why? So that you can be a blessing to all nations. I just got to experience that firsthand of a nation who doesn't even own all of their land. Surrounded by enemies who don't recognize them as a people worthy to even have breath. A ground, surrounded by a group of countries that have tried to attack them. At one point, the six or seven day war, I just went blank. They had Israel had this much property that they had been given by the United Nations. So these seven countries said, ha ha, you don't deserve even that. We're going to come in and take you over. In seven days, although there were casualties, guess what? The Israeli army, which was much smaller than the seven countries, now gained 10 times the amount of land and the rest of them fled. Don't tell me God's people ain't something. There ain't some value to that. And then you know what? This group of people that now have been blessed with this amount of land, you know what the first thing they tried to do was? Give it back. They don't put this on the media generally. Why? Because they didn't trust what they'd been given. They trusted what God had given them. If God, if you want me to give this back to them, that's the blessing that we're going to give. Whatever we have is yours to be used. And then the people they tried to give it back to said, no, we don't even determine that you're worth breathing the breath, so we refuse to take anything back from you. Wow. I don't care how much or how little I think you try to give me money, I'm probably going to take it. Maybe that's shallow me. I don't know. Pray for me. But that's well, God's people, and now you think about this from the perspective of us, he's trying to position us to what I've given you is not for you. Because if I gave it to you, know that I trust and I've got more where that came from. You're not limited to the shirt on your back 
or the breath in your lungs, there's so much more. And there's been seasons where I had to wear maybe some leftovers. But when I understood the value that I didn't have to have it, you know, when it comes to cars, I'm not a big cars guy. I'm just glad that I have four wheels that I can drive around in. I know people in ministry that didn't have a car, but God was calling them to go do something in ministry that required a car, and somebody walked up to them in Walmart and said, God told me to give you this car. What if you had three cars a day and God told you to give it to somebody? How many of you would fall on that sword? Well, it depends on which car it is, Pastor. <laughs> it's a shifting of a mindset. Once you understand that God's your provider, then you take emotions out of it, you remove the authority out of it, and you understand God's calling us to be impactful in the world around us, no matter what it is, whether it's money, whether it's time, whether it's energy, whether it's a kind word. Whatever he's depositing in you is for somebody else. Your testimony, your struggle, all that you go through is positioning you to share the glory of God in what he's doing and undoing in you. In this place, Elijah was stuck without nothing and was sent to a place where there really was an abundance, but because he was tapped into an abundant God, he took abundance in a desperate situation and not only brought what the woman needed or thought she needed, but so much more. If she would have turned him down, not made the cake, guess what? Her son would have died the next week and he wouldn't have been there to heal him. That's trusting God's timing and God's plan. I told you this was a tithing sermon. I'm going to do it. You know, tithing in the church is something we either talk about a lot or we don't talk about it at all. Churches that talk about it a lot generally can have a beautiful building. Maybe their leadership has really nice cars and all the things. And there's people that struggle in those churches. Why? Because they ain't got any money, but they see everybody else with money. Anybody ever been to a church like that? It's okay. We're not throwing fingers. We're being realistic today. If we can't be realistic in church and we can't talk about hard things, the church will continue to be hurt and broken and divided. So if you've never witnessed that, God bless you for never going to one of those churches. But I see it. I see people being successful in church at the cost of other people. And we continue to preach sermons like, just give. I don't care if you got it to give or not. You better give because God wants you to give to this church. And we sit back and we ain't got nothing. We're broke. We're losing our house, but we're still giving because somebody told me if I give this much money for a prophecy that I'm all in and God sees me and he hears me. A lot of those places, money's become their master. I want to read what actually the Bible says. This is Malachi. It's Old Testament. And there's going to be people who say, well, Jesus came to get rid of the Old Testament. We don't have to do tithing anymore. You want to know what the New Testament tithing plan was? Go read Acts 4, where it says all the new believers after Acts 2.38 come in, and they brought everything they had in, and everybody was taken care of. Ooh. Yeah, 10% is a lot easier to deal with, right? I'm going to bring everything. But it's shifting of a mindset that God wants you to be seen. What's he say? I'm bringing good news to the poor. If you're poor, guess what's not good news? If it's preached the wrong way, a tithing message. So we just don't preach it, or we preach it the wrong way, and we just really miss that we're supposed to be bringing good news to somebody, freeing somebody up from one of this. So Malachi, what is it saying? Malachi 3, 6. I want you to read. I want you to hear this first part of it. For I, the Lord, do not change. That's a promise. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. Because I am who I said I was, you are who I said you were. You're my children that I told you I would take care of you, and I have not changed. You have. Children of Israel, you've been messing up. You're in a lot of places. You're about to go through a long, troublesome time. But guess what? I don't change. So then 
He says, from the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will man rob God? Yet you are not robbing me, but you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions, you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. How many of you have never heard tithing before? Maybe you're new to church and this tithing thing. I've never heard that word before. I, I meet people all the time that have never heard tithing. So tithing, what that means is a tenth. In the old days, in the Jewish, the Old Testament, you brought a tenth of what you had. That may have been animals, grain, fruit, whatever was valuable in those, the currency of those days. This is why a lot of people get stuck. Well, I don't have a 10% of a cow, so I don't really have to bring any tithing anymore. That's not realistically how it works. What this is really saying is, this goes back to provision versus provider. What do you worship? When you worship your provider, you understand that God gave you everything that you have. And if you trust that, and this is requiring a trust, you understand giving back to him because he's going to take care of you. Amen? And I don't preach this like zero to ten. Not what I preach. And I don't even preach, and this is where God really had to restore and, and fix me. I don't need your tithing. This church doesn't need your tithing. If you don't feel led to give in tithing, don't give. Why? Because it says in, I have it in my notes, 2 Corinthians 9, 6, and 11, it says God loves a cheerful giver, not under, not reluctantly or under compulsion. See, that's what we don't preach a lot of times. God loves a cheerful giver. Put a smile on your face and pull your wallet out. And then now, it's between you and God. If you don't feel led to give, don't give. That's between you and God. I'm not your provider. You're not my provision. This is the biggest freeing moment I had in ministry. That's why I don't stand up here and beg. But I do have to give wisdom. Because if God's telling you to sow into the kingdom, guess what? Greenbrier Community Church is not the kingdom. If God tells you tomorrow, oh, I've been tithing, and now all of a sudden God puts it in your heart to give somewhere else, and this is where some, I don't know, you're just going to have to trust God on this? People are like, no, you have to give to your church. God's kingdom is bigger than Greenbrier Community Church. If you don't and you sow into a place that God's telling you to do, I believe that God's going to take care of us. Why? Because that's how big God is. I do what he tells me to do when he tells me to do it. But what tithing does is it gives him access to your finances. It removes the authority it has on your life, and it opens up for him to do something with it and through it. And you're like, man, I don't even make that much money. But you know what? Elijah didn't have anything to give, but he had everything in the world to give. He just couldn't see it. That little woman had nothing to give. But she had everything. This is a hard part of trying to understand what the Sermon on the Mount was. He was preaching to Jewish people who told them in the beginning, I am God. It's what he just told you, O children of Jacob. You're not consumed. Why? Because I'm still God. And you're still my people. And I called you to be a blessing. I want you to bless somebody. But I ain't got nothing to give. If you have anything, you got something. How many of y'all are like, ugh, it's okay. This is a hard sermon, Pastor. Some of y'all are like, I don't know if I'm coming back to this church next week. You don't know how many times I've heard that. People are like, I went to church, three different churches, three different times, and all I heard was a tithing message and never went back to church again. That's why I said this is not a message for you if this is your first time in church. This is for God's people. Because we got to get better. If we want to be difference makers in the kingdom, if that's what we signed up to, if we want to remove the authority over life of the stuff that we have, then guess what? Then we got to walk in what God's telling us to do. What if he told us tomorrow to do this, to do that? Why am I preaching this? Because it's right here. It's what we're talking about. It's connecting the dots. That's what he's saying in the sermon is, I'm trying to connect you back to the heart of being a blessing. But if you're not tithing, if you're not connected to a storehouse, if you're not bringing food in to take care of people, guess what? There's going to be hungry people. 
I'm going to wrap this up. Philippians 4, 11, and 13. So we love to use Scripture, and we love for it to say whatever we want it to say. Two of the, the greatest used Scriptures in Word is in four, or Philippians 4, 13. I can do all things through Christ, through Him who strengthens me. The other one is in 419, and God, my God, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Jesus Christ. I want you to hear what Paul said before he ever said, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. In the low, in the high, I'm connected to the one who sends me strength. See, we love to use that scripture and we never want to talk about it here. We will always want to be here. Oh, yes, Lord. Through Christ who strengthens me, I'm able to stand today. What happens when you get in a place of want, a place of lack? Is the same God strengthening you with every breath and every piece of manna and not that steak you wanted? You know in Israel you can't eat meat and dairy together? Lord, I had to be on my knees a lot. You have a burger, no cheese. Yeah, get that in your mind. Now you fast forward, he's talking to the Philippians, and he says, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I'm well supplied, having received the gift you sent, a fragment offering, a, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. How do we connect these dots? Play me some music. Close everything out. You know, we committed two years ago as a church. Let's play the normal music. Sorry. Two years ago, we made a commitment as a church that 10% of everything that came into this church would go out. And God has been obedient in that. You know, as I prepared for this sermon, I had a conversation over the last month. I had someone reach out to me in our church. Pastor, I just need to speak with you. And I won't go in depth, but just a struggle. There was a struggle financially, but at no point did they ever say that was the problem. The heart was, can you pray for me for this, this, and this? They never addressed the money situation. I could see it. As I just shared what God was giving to me that day and prayed with him, he's like, man, I needed to hear that. Then over the course of a couple of weeks, through conversation, I could still see that. And as I was preparing over the last week and this, today as I was in prayer, God put this on my heart. I want you to write a check to that person this amount of money because you talk a lot about supplying and providing to people outside of here but what are you doing to take care of people in your own house so instantly in my mind I'm like well we could take money from here we could do it. and he said no, that's not what I told you to do 
You know, the first person I talked to when I got here today. Because you're going to find out real quick, I'm not a pastor that's just out here doing things from a whim. I'm always going to seek wise counsel. And you can determine how wise this is. I text Roger and I said, Roger, when you get to church, I need to talk to you. I said, this is what God told me to do. And I just need you to hear it from me. And I know Roger, he will not let me spend any money. There was a freedom instantly. See, there's an alignment that happens in the body of Christ when you begin to listen to the Holy Spirit. He's not going to have me out here on Front Street doing some craziness and the rest of y'all are like, he didn't tell me that. There's an alignment that comes in your heart when he tells you to do something. And sometimes it is out of the ordinary. It's going to challenge you. But you know in your heart he told you to do it. I wrestled with God on this over and over. I can't go to the church and tell him that. He said, you better. Come to Roger and said, we're writing this amount of money to this person. Here's the why. He didn't try to talk me out of it all. But here's what I'm going to challenge you to do today. Church, we got to get better at tithing. Why? Because this is the kind of impact that God wants to have in this church, in this community, in this community. And I know this is a, uh, I give. And if you give, I'm not asking for any more from you. If you give what you think you can, if you give one more dollar, it's going to turn your heart and you're going to be, don't give anything beyond what makes you cheerful. I am not compelling you to give anything more than God's telling you to give today. Otherwise, I'm going against what that word said. I'm going to read it again. Because I want everybody to know what the word says, not what Pastor Anthony said. Because then you'll be able to hear, listen to the voice of God. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly, this is 2 Corinthians 9, 6. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times you may abound in every good work I'm ready as a church to abound in good works I'm ready to begin to thrive in places where other places have not why not to put our name out there, not to put a look at what we're doing? Because I want God's name to be glorified in people's finances. I want God's name to be glorified in people's homes. And you're like, oh Lord, here comes a prosperity message. I'm not telling you that God's all about money. But I refuse to believe there is a God who enjoys you being in debt. And that may not be giving you money, that may be giving you information. Because if you continue to make mistakes... And decisions that keep you in debt, God ain't going to give you a million dollars to pay off your bill. He's going to give you information to pull your head out of your butt. Sorry, I preach real. Because there's people stuck that continue to make the same mistakes over and over. I get phone calls every month for people who want the church to pay for them. And then you don't hear from them for five or six months. Why? Because they go to church, to church, to church, to church praying on what that says to get you to take care of them so they don't have to take care of themselves. That's the world we live in. There's people out there that ain't got a job. Why? Because the government pays for them. And if they got a job, the government would stop paying for them. There's people out there who get welfare and don't have a husband. They have a split home. Why? Because the government says, if you have this, this is what you get. They refuse to let their home be what it's supposed to be because they've settled on what the government says you need to fulfill this to get this money. Let's be real today. It is time for us to have our eyes open to who God says we are supposed to be. It is time for us to step out of the weight and the authority that poverty has had on us so that we can begin to make difference around here. Six months ago, I shared with you all this group of men reached out to me that I'm friends with and said, we want to take the burden of finance off you as a church so that you can do what God's called you to do. You know, Roger, that came back to me when that man 
come to my mind today. You said, you know what? I want to remove the burden of this right here so he can begin to operate in who he's supposed to be. I want to finish this off with this right here. This is an invitation, church. I want you to really pray on that. Because there is an alignment piece. We were sitting in a church a few weeks ago, Morgan and I, a pastor friend of ours preached, and at the end they, they were going to take up an offering. We weren't even talking. We were kind of in separate places right then, but God dropped a number in my head, and I said, God, we ain't got that to give. And after church, Morgan walked up to me and said, we're going to give 500, right? Well, that's the number he gave me, so I guess yes is the answer. same week I received a $500 gift card to buy me a new iPad because I'm going to be needing it. I don't need it. I said, I see you. I'm not saying if this is not a quid pro quo. If you do this, you're going to get this in return. That's the broken prosperity message is if you give this money, God's going to give you lots of money back. No, he said he will supply your every need. Today, we're going to step out of the church and we're going to help a need. Why? Because God told us to do it. And I want to get to a place as a church where if any of you are ever in need, that we can come alongside you and make sure you don't stay there. Because I refuse to allow debt to be in control of people of this house anymore. I want you to be difference makers in your finances. God is trying to restore the foundation. We have been grafted into an amazing promise. An amazing blessing amazing relationship and amazing God and he said I'm still God that's why you're not consumed but I want you to be overcome Father we thank you today open our ears our eyes and our hearts to hear you that we can be difference makers in our life in our jobs in our schools in our homes and even in our churches let us hear your voice not mine, not of our mother, father, not even of our spouse. Let us hear your voice and then confirm that through the voice of other believers as we align with what you want to do and undo in the church. God, I thank you today that you're here with us in the tough earth, that you bear with us in these places and that you even walk with us out of here where we may be grieved or offended or whatever it may be and say, it's okay. I still love you. I pray that we can have those tough conversations this week with you. That we don't shy away from the tough prayers. Maybe we're in a place of need. I pray that we would release that to you because the Bible says cast all our cares, our anxieties on you because you care for us. Remove the worry from our life, the anxiety as we lean into you and trust your ways. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you.